0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. You can open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to begin at verse 40. Then he, and it's talking about David, this is before David becomes king, he's still a shepherd boy. Then he, David, took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. What kind of giants are you facing in your life? What are the Goliaths that each and every day are threatening you, are mocking you, are marching out each and every morning in front of you and saying, you can't eat me down. I'm talking about the big things, not just the little irritants that we all... It's the, the big things, the, the financial difficulties that are threatening to take away our home. The emotional difficulties that are threatening to take away our sanity at times. The, the relational difficulties, the, the lack of love that's threatening our most dear relationships with our spouses and our children. I'm talking about the Goliaths, the giants that are threatening you in your life. I'm talking about things like rejection, failure, depression. I'm talking about things like the giants of divorce, of chemical dependency, uh, a bond with alcohol or, or a drug. I'm talking about bigotry, child abuse. I'm talking about the big giants that we all have to face in life. And how do we face them? Where does the strength come? Where does the boldness and the courage come from when our Goliaths come out to meet us? I want us to, this morning, take a look at this little boy, this young boy, this little runt of a David that was so small that Goliath, it says, despised him. The Goliath said to him, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Sometimes our Goliaths and our giants seem to be facing us in exactly that same way. And where did David get his courage from? One of the things that I, I just so love about this, this young man is that he teaches us just a simple, good question to ask. You know what that question is? Whose fight is it anyway? Whose fight is it? Is it really my fight as I'm coming out here with my five smooth stones and my little leather sling is it my fight that I'm going to be fighting with Goliath? Whose fight is it really? And, and really, what he's asking is another question. He's asking a question of whose hands is my life in? Now, you, um, you take this basketball, for example, you put it in my hands, and what you're going to see are a lot of uh, air balls, uh, missed thrown passes, and dribbles being off of toes. Put the same ball in Steve Nash's hands and you're going to see some amazing, amazing things happen. Put the same ball in Mike Jordan's hands and you probably won't see an air ball all day long. You'll just see one swish after another. My favorite, golf. Those who've golfed with me go, oh no, what's he going to do with that thing? When I pick up one of these things, I hit so many slices, I ought to work for a craft Cheese Factory. It's bad. It's really bad. But put this in the hands of Tiger Woods, things are going to happen. Whose hands is the golf club in? Whose hands is the basketball in? Whose hands is your life in? In and when we try to um, to hold our life in our own hands, that's when it gets scary. That's when we really don't have what we need to have. What David is really telling us this morning, as he marches out in front of Goliath, is don't take up your own life in your own hands. Put your life in the hands of the expert, the one who has the power and the wisdom and the love and the grace. To take your life and do something amazing with it. More amazing than Steve Nash or Michael Jordan can do with the basketball. More amazing than Tiger Woods can do with a golf club in his hands. With our lives in God's hands, amazing things are going to happen. And we, we can have the courage to know. We're going to come out on top. Let's take a look at, um, at a couple of things that we notice in this chapter. Now, you might have... Um, might have gotten a little squeamish reading through this chapter. You know, uh, you, you have David saying some pretty interesting things here. He says, today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That's not the typical, typical kind of language that we uh, often use in a church nowadays, because I think the first thing that we always want people to know about us and about our lives being in God's hands. Is that we who are Christ followers are lovers. Right? We love to help people. We love to help the down and out and the hurting. The way Jesus did. When he went around. Uh, you read the gospels. It doesn't ever took 30 steps. Without helping somebody. Healing a blind person. Taking care of someone's uh, death. And healing them. Feeding the hungry. He was always out to show his immense love for others. And as Christ followers, I think that's something that we love to be known as too, is we are lovers. We are lovers of the hurting and the helpless and the lonely and the depleted in this world. But we are not only lovers. And what David shows us this morning is that Christ followers are fighters too. Because we fight For the things that we believe in, we stand up for the God that we know is the owner of our life. And with Him at our side, a full contact God at our side, we know that we can live this full contact life that we're all engaged in. You know, when we talk about the giants that need to be slain in our lives, it's because we live this full contact life. We're about to go into football season. You think about Adrian Wilson putting a hit on somebody in the open field. Man, that has got to hurt. And sometimes the things that go on in our lives, they just flat out hurt. Guys, you remember in football practice in high school when you were in the open field and and you didn't see somebody coming at you? You remember that time? And you just got plastered, not even knowing that it was coming? Remember how you got up and kind of shook your head and you went, Coach, I don't know if I want to go back out there for the rest of the day. You know, help me, Coach. But somehow, you know, you summoned the strength and you went back out there and you you probably got hit again and again. That's how we feel in life sometimes. It's like life blindsides and plasters us and it hurts so bad that we feel like how can we get up and and ever step forward again? Well, that's what David is teaching us. He's teaching us that when we put our hands, our lives into the hands of the almighty God, he will help us stand up and have the courage we need to face this this full impact life and be the fighters and the warriors that God has called us to be. So this morning I put together um, a sermon based on five letters. F-I-G-H-T, fight. We are fighters. And as we look at David, what is it? that brought out the fight in him and that he was willing to stand up against Goliath when no one else would. you know the whole story? The whole story is that this young shepherd boy appeared on the scene simply to deliver food for his brothers. And when he got there to deliver the food, he, he, he saw this giant coming out, Goliath, every day, and he saw the willingness of, of his brothers or any of the other... Hundreds, thousands of Israel's army to step up to the battle. And this runt of the litter, David, says, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll take on Goliath because whose battle is it anyway? Right? It's not my battle. It's going to be God's battle and he will take care of me. My life is in his hands. Everybody tried to to discourage him. His brother said, who do you think you are? David? A little runt? You think you're going to take on Goliath? You've got to be crazy, man. We've got mighty men in this army. All of them are shaking in their boots. Who do you think you are? Even the well-intentioned Saul, the king, said, David, before you go out there, at least try to put on my armor. Get yourself protected, armored up a little bit. He tried it on. It didn't fit. He knew he couldn't go out there and fight in that armor. So, what was it that caused David's heart to have enough courage to go, I'm going to do this? And as we read, to go out to a little stream bed, collect five smooth little stones with no armor on, and to walk out in front of Goliath, to be despised by Goliath, to be mocked by him, and say, Dude, Today, your mouth is going to get closed. And not me, but you. You are the one that's going to end up dead because you have despised the owner of the universe. It's not me, but it is God who will defeat you. The battle is in his hands. You know what it is? It's a, it's a word that starts with the letter F. F. Very simple word. Faith. David saw something that his brothers didn't see. David saw something that none of the other soldiers in the Israelite army saw. He saw the might and the power and the love of God. He saw that his life was literally in God's hands. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul writes. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And I I love the way he describes faith. He says, faith is having the eyes of your heart opened. Everybody else had the eyes of their brain opened, right? And they were going, do you see how big he is? I don't want to take him on. But David had the eyes of his heart open to God. And he knew that God was going to walk out with him. Paul prays for the Ephesians and he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Did David know that hope? Yes, he did. Because the eyes of his heart were tuned into God. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power. Circle those three words. Incomparably great power for us who believe. You want to face down the Goliath in your life? God the Holy Spirit needs to open up the eyes of your heart. And you have faith that God is with you. That's how it happens. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next letter, in fact. But it is through faith in Christ Jesus that we tap into this incomparably great power. And the eyes of our heart get opened. To, to what God has. And, and there's another, by the way, there's another F word that goes with that word faith and is the word focus. It's kind of interesting. One guy went through this chapter and he, and he counted out the times that David mentioned a concern, kind of looking at it with the eyes of his brain like the soldiers were and his brothers were. David mentions little concerns. But they counted and they found out that four times as many as that David said but God is with me the almighty God is is going to fight for me God is at my side now imagine in your life if for every time you felt a worry or you expressed a worry you multiplied that by four and you said four times however many times you worried God is with me God loves me God is powerful God cares for me He will take care of me He's at my side that's what faith is and that's what faith is all about so that's our first letter and i want to um to have you watch an awesome video about our crosswalk children's ministry that shows some outstanding warriors for god some fighters for god teaching our kids how to themselves also be warriors and be in the fight for god joda Schiller. I'm Julie Gunn, Angie Grass, Jane McKillop, Christy Swearingen, Kristen Harrell, Noelle Gallivan, I'm Andre. Joe Swearingen, Christine Bain, Katie Kinsman, I'm Catherine mm-hmm. Susie Law, Metz and One Juan Culbertson, Susan Rojas, Hi, I'm Mike Forzak. Uh, Thomas Seybald, and Kimberly I'm Heidi die. Right. I'm Amanda, my name is Faith Merkel. Ed Merkel, my name is Brittany Dover, I'm Ella Hudson. Hey everyone, those are just a few of our awesome volunteers that help out in Crosswalk Kids. We'd like to give you a volunteer's perspective of what goes on every Sunday. I do Crosswalk Kids because I love the children. Um, I like the registrar position because it allows me to meet all the parents that come in. I get to see their children, I get to see them grow, um, and just the enthusiasm that they have when they come back every week. I like being able to help. It's good to be able to think like something to do to help, gives the parents a chance to go to church and gives the kids a chance to learn about Jesus and God and the Bible on their own at their age appropriate level. And it's a good time. I love working with the baby and toddler room because I get to see them grow. Um, I've gotten to see some of them start to walk and talk and it's just really cool to see them develop. Just spend the time with the kids, going through Bible stories. or stories that I loved as a child, um, and it's fun to be able to share those types of stories with them as well because they get to know those stories and um, learn about Jesus that way and just learn about the different people in the Bible and um, learn about God. So I'm, I really love that part of it. I do cross all kids because I think it's important for kids to know about God and have that faith and fun our I love to volunteer with Crosswalk Kids because my kids love it, and they get so much out of it, and so I like to give back. Taking on another character besides myself gives me a chance to, well, I've been a cowboy, and I've been a superhero, and I'm going to be a mad scientist here pretty soon, so it's kind of fun being able to play different roles for different situations. I really love um, getting in there and doing the music and dancing with them and just seeing them get so excited and into worship and um, at such a young age, they just love praising God. It's awesome. I like large groups. I like when the kids um, get involved and dance around and sing because, you know, even some of the shyest kids will just sit there and jump up and down and they'll have so much fun. I can come to church and party with the kids, and it's a blast. My twin boys get so much out of it that I just want to be a part of it myself. Thank you so much to all of the dedicated volunteers who helped make Crosswalk Kids so successful. Now that you've seen what we're about, we'd love to have you come and visit us. Great job. Don't we have some awesome Crosswalk volunteers teaching our kids how to be warriors of faith? Great job. Thanks, Joda, for showing us that. All right, so we need, if we're going to um, face the Goliaths in our lives, we need to be fighters. And that starts, that fight starts with faith. But it, it continues with, with the letter I. The letter I stands for insight. Let's talk a little bit about how we get insight and why we need insight. First of all, have you ever noticed that it's easy to have courage for a little while but sometimes when uh, we actually get up nice and close and tight to our Goliath that's where it gets scary and that feeling of just wanting to turn tail and run grows and i want you to know that even david who was in in this situation also found at times that it was tough to keep his courage there was the time, for example, when um, he turned tail and, and ran. And he ran away from his, from his enemy Saul right into the hands of his other enemies, the Philistines. And he was so afraid being kind of tugged back and forth between King Saul and the Philistines that finally he just lost it. And he, and he, and he pretended to be completely crazy and insane. The Bible tells us that he pretended so well that he let little dro- droplets of drool run down his beard because he wanted to convince them that he was truly, truly insane. And all of that was because he was afraid that his life and the life of his soldiers was going to, uh, was going to be taken from him. He lost his courage. You've been there and so have I, facing our Goliath, and all of a sudden the courage just seems to drain right out of our soul well that's why insight is so important because what is it that keeps our courage levels high David tells us and the Bible tells us that that is to have insight into God's thoughts into God's mind every day take a look at what it says in Psalm 119 I put this uh, in your, in your um, crosswalk notes for you look at what the psalmist writes Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Why? Because he knows your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. God's word opens up the eyes of our heart. This is the instrument the Holy Spirit uses to give us that courage that God wants us to have. To to see that he is walking with us. I have more insight than all my teachers... For I meditate on your statutes. How important it is for us to be able to look into God's Word, to see those gracious and awesome promises of His power coming into play in our lives. Now, how do you do that? Let me ask you, let's drill down and get practical. Because I think one of the reasons that sometimes our courage fails us is that we're not devoting time every day to gaining that insight that comes only from God's words and promises. I know how my routine is in the morning, and I know how easy it is for Julie and me to wake up, get real busy, try to put breakfast together. Uh, this is our first year with, with the empty nest, all the kids. So f- for years, we've been trying to get you know get kids pushed out the door, get rides to grade school, get rides to high school. It is crazy in the morning, and I'm sure it is for most of you too. And how easy and all that craziness, right? You've got to get to work on time. You've got to get to school on time for you to say... You know what? Where am I going to find time to gain insight by studying God's word? And day after day, even though you 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 know it's the right thing to do, day after day slips by and you go into your day without that spiritual armor on of having gained insight by studying God's word, without setting even 5 or 10 minutes apart just to go, "Let me let me read one one chapter of the Bible, one one psalm before I go out into the day." Have just a little time to pray and say, God, I know some unexpected, tough things are going to happen in my life today. I know you're going to be there. You've given, that, given me that insight from your word. So let me just encourage you this morning. If it's even just five minutes, squeeze it out somehow. Find time to get, get that insight that comes from meditating on God's Word and His promises that assure us He's with us all the time. Let's move on to the next one. So fight, you've got to have faith, you've got to have insight. And the next one is one of my favorites. You know, just the chapter just before chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 16, is the story of how David gets chosen to be the next king of Israel after King Saul, you familiar with that story? The, the way I, I like to think of it is, and, and I'm I'm uh, I'm making up a little bit of this for effect, but imagine that there's this lineup of just amazing men. You know, the first guy comes out, and he is six foot six and a physical specimen like you have never seen. Not an ounce of body fat on him, and he just. He just steps up there, and you go, else, this is the next king of Israel. And a little voice whispers in Samuel's ear, and he goes, nope, not him. So Samuel says, okay, let's look at the next one. And, uh, and you step up to, to that guy, and you have never seen a guy who looks more like a celebrity. I mean, he, wavy hair, you know, just perfect, not a blemish this is the guy, right? I mean, celebrity king of Israel. He's the one. God says, no, nope, not him. Right? Next guy comes up. Dad puts his hand on his shoulder. I'm so proud of my third son. He just graduated from MIT. This guy is brilliant, IQ over 150. And you're thinking, and before you point the finger, God holds your finger back and he goes, no, no, not him. And you go all the way down the line, all of Jesse's son's. And not a one of them does God say us to, as amazing as they all are. And so you, as Prophet Samuel, go, Got anybody else? Anybody else around here? And they all bust up, right? And you're like, why? Why are you well? The runt of the litter. He's there, but I'm sure you don't want him. His name David, he's he's out in the fields shepherding sheep. Surely. He cannot be the next king of Israel. And you know how the story ends. It turns out that is the David who is chosen to be and anointed to be the next king of Israel, and who is the very one facing down Goliath in this story today. And you look at the rest of the Bible, it's amazing what we see in the Bible. We see Moses, a man who ran from justice, chosen and used by God. We see Jonah who ran from God's mission for his life to, to, to speak to the Ninevites. And God said, nope, dude, you're going over there, and you are going to be mine, and you'll do what I ask you to do. And he, he goes on God's mission for him, chosen by God. God takes Rahab, a prostitute, who probably ran a brothel, and uses her. He takes Samson, a man who ran after the wrong woman, and used him in his kingdom. Jacob ran in circles, running away from his angry brother and then back again. Elijah was so depressed, he ran away to the mountains and said, Please, Lord, don't make me go back. There's nobody left who believes in you except for me. Sarah ran out of hope. Lot ran with the wrong crowd. One after another after another. The wrong people. Inhumanized. The wrong people but God said I want you. you know what that's called the G word grace and that same grace applies to you and me today I'm sure there's someone out there today maybe there's many of you there are many of you out there today I can share with you my own heart many many times I say go oh, God I am not the right man I do not deserve to be pastor of this church. I do not deserve to even be a follower of Jesus Christ. Why me, Lord? And you know what the answer always comes back to? It's not about you. It's my grace. It's who I am. I love you. You can run away from me. You can run to the mountains. You can run with the wrong crowd. You can run a brothel. You can run whatever you want to run. You are sinful. I know that. You are a sinner, I know that. But I choose you because I love you. And that's what grace is. And our fight is hugely made up of God's grace. God fight for us undeservedly. Not that we have done anything to earn it. Not one little sliver of a thing to earn it. It's just because God loves. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul experienced that, didn't he? He was a murderer. God called him to be an apostle. And, and Paul one time is saying, not only did you call me from being a murderer to be an apostle, but I have this thorn in the flesh. I don't know how, how you can expect me to keep on going. And, and look at what Paul says. But God said to me, my grace, circle that word, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Our high school students have a beautiful play, a little drama skit to illustrate the point of how God's grace makes up a huge part of our fight. Yeah, if you can't say amen to that, I don't know what you can say amen to, huh? How much of our fight is God's grace? Huge. To tap into God's... So we need humility, and that's the H word. To know that we need the grace of God is a huge part of receiving the grace of God. I Think of King David 20 years after his fight with Goliath. Things have just gone amazing for this king. He's expanded the borders of his kingdom. All of his soldiers are fighting hard for him. His people love him as their king. And and the kingdom is just in an amazing, amazing cycle of one success after another. And after 20 years of this, David, who says the fight is in the hands of the Lord, becomes the arrogant David. And he loses that humility that he once had. And he, he's walking around on the, on the heights of this palace, this amazing palace that he's built for him, himself. And one day he looks down and, and a few houses away in a courtyard is a beautiful woman. Now the story doesn't tell you this, but if you read throughout all these chapters, this is not just any woman. She's a beautiful woman, but she's also the wife Of one of David's top soldiers and David knows this this is the wife of one of David's friends and he looks down there and he starts the plot in his mind how he can steal his friend Uriah's wife Bathsheba because he's so full of himself he's now begun to believe that he deserves whatever he wants That kind of pride and arrogance is exactly what hinted David at that point from being able to tap into the grace of God and is the very same arrogance and pride that can hinder us from being able to tap into the grace of God. I want you to take out your crosswalk notes because this is so important. Do we want to have God opposing us? which if you know the end of the story of what happens with David and Bathsheba and your child is exactly where David ends up. He ends up with God literally opposing him. The man who God at one point says, this is a man after my own heart. God ends up opposing him in that situation. Look at what Peter writes. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud. We use that little phrase God opposes the proud but gives grace to whom? He gives grace to the humble. Do we want to have that awesome grace that we just saw demonstrated by our high school students? It starts with humility. Do we want to be able to fight the Goliaths in our life? It it, it doesn't come the way the world it, it would say that if you want to fight giants you have to stand up stand tall be proud be even a little bit arrogant because you don't want anybody to see you doubting yourself. God's way is the exact opposite. God's way is put away yourself. Be humble. Look to him and know that he is the strength of your life. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So H is humility. Part of our fight against our Goliath is To have that humble attitude that says it's not about me. To think less of ourselves and more of others and more of God. And then there's the final one. You know, if it's a basketball being held in Steve Nash's or Michael Jordan's hands, if it's a golf club being held, it's a relatively inert thing. Basketball does have a little bit of air and a little bit of give to it. But essentially, there's not much that the ball or the club are going to do apart from the hands that are holding. And that is where we human beings are a little bit different. Because God takes us and he molds us. And he changes our hearts and minds and shapes us the way that he wants us to be so that we can be better instruments and better tools in his hands. And you know what that shaping and that molding is known as in the Bible? That gives us a a greater ability to fight the Goliaths in our life? simple. It's training. And that's the T word. Take a look at your, your crosswalk notes. I put a couple passages in here. Psalm 144 verse 1 was actually written by David. Praise be to the Lord my rock. And what does David say? Who trains my hands for war. My fingers for battle. You think about David, you know, standing there in front of Goliath, and he's swinging that, that sling. How many times do you think he'd done that before that day? Can you imagine, his, imagine him as a little shepherd boy out there in the field with, a, with the sheep swinging that thing, probably plinking trees? They didn't have cans But he's plinking stuff. You know he's plinking stuff with that sling. Time and time and time again. David says, you know, this is not my first time to the dance. When he meets Goliath. When he he talks to Saul, he says, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear with my own hands. It's not my first time to the dance. I know God is with me. Because of my training, I've been there before. Are your hands trained for battle as you go out to meet your Goliath? Notice what it says in 1 Timothy 4 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' t- tales. Rather, train yourself in the Word of God. Train yourself to be godly. Now, here's what I sometimes find, and I'm just going to confront it this morning. I sometimes find that when people are facing their Goliath, and they know there's help there, they will stop at this training issue. In other words, they'll be in the midst of a problem. Maybe it's a financial problem, a financial Goliath in their life. Maybe, maybe their house is about to be lost. Maybe they're, maybe they're facing a, a relationship problem with their spouse. Maybe it's a, an addiction issue. But they'll get to that point, and and sometimes they'll even get to the point where they can talk to someone that they trust and they respect. Sometimes they'll come and talk to me as their pastor. And, and, And when that person whom they trust says, have you thought about going and getting some advice about this problem? Have you thought about going and get some training so that you can address this issue? For whatever reason, sometimes we step back. Now, I'll tell you, I can personally understand this a little bit. You've heard me say, if you've been here before, that when I first returned from my ministry in Africa and came here, and I was teaching here, the very first uh, months of my, my tenure as assistant principal here at this school, I went through a depression. The only reason I went to counseling, because of my pride, really, that's all it is, was because the board of directors of this school said, you're going to go get some counseling and, and, and figure this out. I, myself, did not want to take the training that was being offered. And what I want to say to you guys today is you are not just inert stick. God can shape you and mold you and turn you into a better weapon in His hands. But it means that we have to be willing to get the training. If that training means counseling, if that training means going to a class like Financial Peace University that we offer almost every semester here so that we can learn how to better manage our money and the will of God, go get the training. Put your pride aside. Be humble. And learn how God can help you by getting your life to line up with His will. Don't shy away from training. And you will have a better chance to fight and be God's warrior. So let's, let's run through those. Right? Fight. You want to be a fighter for God? Faith. Right? you got to have that trust that God is at your side all the time. And then you got to have insight. Insight. Into God's word, got to spend a little time in his promises every day, being strengthened by the word. Got to have that grace that those high school students showed us so beautifully. It's all about his grace that we don't do anything to earn or deserve. Got to be humble. Can't think it's all about me, and finally be willing to get the training. And when you do those things the way David did, you're going to have the same kind of fight that David had. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you brought us here today. And I ask that uh, you would give each and every one of us the fight that you want us to have. We're facing all of us different Goliaths in our lives. Help us to have the boldness and the courage to march out in front of our Goliaths and challenge them and take them down in your name because it is your power behind us. Lord God, Heavenly Father, give us the faith to see you walking with us every step of the way to know that you are a full-contact God who will help us live our full-contact lives. Give us insight into your words and your promises that, that show us every day how much you want to help us and how much power you have for us. Give us your grace every day. We need that forgiveness and love that you've shown us in your Son, Jesus, on the cross. Lord, keep us humble. And help us recognize how much we need that blood of Jesus. Cleansing us from every sin and all of our guilt and shame. And Lord God, finally, help us to access the training that will, that will take us to the next level as, as warriors in your hands. Lord, we know it all begins with Jesus. And we thank you so much for sending your son to be our Savior and our Lord. And with him walking at our side, we know all things are possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.